So I'm talking to John, who knows mm-hmm. a guy whose cousin, I'm telling you, responded to a liquid oxygen leak. It was all over the asphalt. He stepped on it. Boom, leg comes off. That sucks. Yes, it does. That, not only for the guy, but the story sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you, know- you know what doesn't suck? How we can make decon suck less. And you know who does it? First line technology, their hybrid decon. They are revolutionizing the decon process with their bar method, which is blot, apply, and remove using dry decon. And uh, you got no more rigging, no more hoses, uh, no more trying to find areas in the rig to try to stash the stuff. It's all compact, and it fits right in the back of an SUV. Yeah, so make your recon at decon, makedeconsuckless.com, or visit them at firstlinetech.com, because Firstline Tech is making decon suck less. You know what else sucks a lot less? Us training. Training. Yes. Yeah, us training sucks a lot less. Why? Why is it us training suck a lot less, Bob? Well, because when we come to train, we're coming to train with courses that are updated all the time. They're not designed years ago. Everything is a fresh take, emerging trends. It takes a lot of effort, but it's worth every bit. And unlike this ad, we partner with other companies to bring you the best props, technologies, and devices, and opportunities to make the classroom as absolutely great as possible. We even have 99% of our instructors who will 100% keep you engaged every time. Right. So don't let your potential go untapped. Choose us as your training partner and embark on a personal and professional growth journey. Contact us at thehazmatguys.com slash hire us and get your spot because the calendar is filling. Hey, uh, before we get into the show with Andy, uh, we have some awesome news for you. We have two new shows coming out. One is a periodical. The other will be a little bit more regular, so uh, mark your calendars. You have December 13, 2023, which is coming up very shortly. At 19.30 hours Eastern Standard Time, we're having a long-awaited battery destroyer clubs. Basically, we just got a whole bunch of people who blew up a whole bunch of batteries to see what would happen. And we have Telops, Red Wave, Fleer, Teledyne, Blackline, Cell Block, all the people you want to have, we have it going to be live on Facebook and YouTube, and the comments are on, so come on out and interact. The other live show that we've got coming up is on January 3rd, 2024. Man, I can't believe we're booking 2024 already. Uh, yeah. At 1930 Eastern Standard Time, it is the debut of our new show called the After Action Report Podcast, uh, which we get the opportunity to sit down and interview the pioneers in the field of hazmat. So uh, it's going to be a long-form format. It's going to be live. The podcast itself will be broken up so you can hear it audio or you can watch the whole thing on youtube it is absolutely free our very first guest is the incredible edible michael callen and uh you it's interactive so come on subscribe and you can throw comments in you can have your own questions and start a conversation and just a quick couple of things here uh we have extended our black friday and cyber monday sales they are still going to go on until the first of the year so get in there you could also if you're trying to go in the new york city fire department there might be a little bit of an operation going on there you can get six and a half points towards your exam uh if you just reach out to us we'll give you the coupon code to get us there <laughs> but wait wait there's more Operators what? are standing by right now. If you call today and today only, you could take an extra 30% off your technician or specialist membership with the coupon oh. code BLKFR123. Unlock your savings today. Excellent. Act Sorry. fast. Seize the savings. <laughs>
we're back. Hey, everybody. And look at that handsome put him in the middle. That is our good friend, Andy Burns. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, what a so pleasure. I am guessing, based upon the title of this episode, which is Lock Study and Liquid Oxygen, um, that you would have a few things to say about my opening read on that <laughs> on that first line uh, first line technologies. Yeah, I, I would love to know where that happened and who that it's happened a, it's to. A, it's a friend of a friend. You know, a cousin, <laughs> yeah. a cousin of a guy that I knew. Exactly. It's he, he exactly. swears to me the story's true. So it would be like every other liquid oxygen blowing up story I've ever tried to find. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. What? Are you, sorry. So give because we did mention this a while back on an episode that I don't remember the number, uh, but we did mention this as almost like a wives' tale that was out there. But you guys put the rubber to the road. You you actually did the study. Yeah, so uh, briefly, the uh, we were back at the National Fire Academy, and we were creating the new uh, management and safety course for the NFA. And so we were brainstorming <clears throat> some scenarios that we could use. And I thought, well, man, these all these people walking around with one leg in the fire service, you know, we really should probably, you know, do something about it. And uh, so we got talking about some of the precautions and those of us that had chemistry and science backgrounds are like, what's the mechanism here? We know where the oxygen is coming from. Uh, we know what the fuel is, but what's, what's, what's that third leg? What, what is the mechanism for the initiation? <clears throat> and it just, it didn't make sense. So when I got back home, I thought, you know what, let's test it. When I was back at the NETC, I looked at all of the the literature that I could find, all the reports, all the articles, and they had a bunch of anecdotal kind of, just like, you know, Mike's story, but it, uh, it didn't make any sense. There was no, there was never a time, a place, a department. I just, I couldn't verify anything. And what's interesting is uh, NFPA 53 on, on the storage and handling of liquid oxygen, they've got an appendix in there there were 63 incidents um, of gaseous and liquid oxygen incidents. And then in 1.3 of the appendices, it says none of these incidents can be verified. Wait, what? And that, that's in the NFPA standard. <laughs> what? And so, so I... Right, hold on, yeah. I, I got to wrap my head around this for a second. Why waste so, the yeah. ink? <laughs> All right. So, yeah, like, wh why not just be like, but, nothing? Just have a blank page. It's It's, you know... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, so when yeah. you say like, what kinds of things did they mention? Because we we have an anecdotal story in the fire department that gets passed down. But as far as I know, it's yeah. it's it's a real story about a guy back in the eighties. Yeah. They had a liquid oxygen leak in a hospital, and there was a spontaneous combustion of his boots. Sure. And there yeah, are people and, that absolutely swear that that story is true and and is documented. Yeah. I've never bothered to look yeah. for the documentation because I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Well, you know, this guy's only been wrong 90 times. I can believe <laughs> him this time. So what, what we found when we, when we could uh, actually identify a, a time and a place in a department, when you look back over the events of the incident, you could find an ignition source. So there was already combustion going on, like the one that uh, last year that happened in Seattle. Those were individual liquid oxygen tanks being hauled on the back of a truck. Well, the, the truck caught on fire. 
So when the truck caught on fire, the heat impinged upon the liquid oxygen. And then when the liquid oxygen tanks overpressurized, there were these giant, you know, explosions. Well, that wasn't the liquid oxygen. That was the liquid oxygen providing the oxidizer. Right. And yeah. And so I think it gets a bad rap. Liquid oxygen gets a bad rap. And in fact, a lot of firefighters that you talk to, if you ask them the question, is oxygen flammable? They'll say yes. It, it's not flammable. It we, doesn't have a flammable range. Right. It doesn't have a flashpoint. It has no IDLH. It should be the most benign stuff on the planet. I mean, you know, we're breathing 21% of it. So it can't be super I'll, toxic. I'll push back a little bit because I've seen movie after movie of grandma smoking in a chair and, you know, she blows yeah. up or the hospital blows up. So yes. I, I think you're going to have to yeah. provide a little bit more proof of that. <laughs> um, I well, mean, I, I've seen it a lot. But I, I'm in 100% agreement with you, but we already, the cigarette is the source of ignition. There you go. That's See, true. What, what's happening, what's happening is it, we're getting all of these anecdotal stories and there's no, there's no energy of ignition. It's just oxygen and asphalt. And all I have to do, in fact, there's been a really recent article that said it only takes a minute amount of pressure, like a footprint. That's what cause, I've heard. To cause a detonation. Well, if it is that dangerous, then somebody needed to study it in a real world situation. So that that's all we did with the research. Yeah, that's that's the thing that gets me is like I'm I'm a, I am a very firm proponent of of uh, what, well, what is this saying? It's it's any good idea is not a new idea and any new idea is not a good idea. Right. So if <laughs> if it was a thing, it these things have been happening for a long yeah. time. Why is this the first time yeah. somebody actually did the piece? You know, I don't know. And I, I can't I can't criticize people that have taught, you know, don't step on liquid act or, or uh, obviously liquid oxygen, but don't step on the frost. Don't drive over it. You know, a detonation is going to occur. I used to teach that stuff as a hazmat instructor. I right. can agree with you. And I've I, been there and done that. Yeah, we all have. And so I can't I can't criticize that uh, even for the recent article that came out. The thing is, is nobody had ever tested it that we knew of. Um, so we just uh, we knew that NASA had 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 an explosion with a, a liquid oxygen asphalt mixture. But uh, if you look at our study and I would say um, if anyone wants to look this information over, just Google UVU LOX. And uh, you'll find uh, all of our research. You'll see videos and photographs, and we've got all of that uh, up so it can be digested. Um, but I used to do the same thing because it had just never been tested. So it just didn't make any sense. I mean, something was missing. So we tried uh, reactivity testing. So we're pouring liquid oxygen right into diesel fuel. Well, it's supposed to explode. And it did nothing just, but like this. <laughs> we, we did hand sanitizer because there's some there's some stories out there about liquid oxygen and 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 just the friction of rubbing hand sanitizer on, you know, causes something to explode. OK, we couldn't replicate it. So I'm not saying that these things didn't happen, that they're not true, but we couldn't replicate them. But, um, so, so, yeah. All right. So when I, I think back, because there has to be there has to be a line somewhere. 
right? And and I wonder what the mechanism would be, and I wonder if it's because of the, the liquid oxygen is so cold that even though there may be a reaction, there's not enough heat of a reaction to go back into the system to then generate more heat, causing more reaction. But like, if we take it to uh, something that we do know exists, like oily rags spontaneously combusting, we understand that that is a, a an, an oxidizer reaction, right, with the oils that produces heat, which then drives more reaction, and we get that positive feedback cycle. Um, so why it would make sense that the more oxygen that was available, the more redox reaction would occur, and the faster that would that would happen. Where does that no longer? At, what is the mechanism that prevents that from happening? I don't know if I'm making any sense in what I'm asking. Well, so a couple things. One, those those oils that you talk about, those are not standard hydrocarbons. There's a double bond in there somewhere. So those are animal and vegetable oils that spontaneously ignite in the rag bucket when we, you know, push all the rags together, put the lid on it. Um, then that feedback as those as the oxygen in the air, 21%, breaks down that double bond, heat's released. And if I contain the heat, the more heat, the more double bonds that break. Gotcha. And so it's it's exponential. And eventually right. you get combustion, but you only get combustion in 21% oxygen. If I put 100% oxygen in that environment, those things are going to, they're going to violently combust. And I, I shy away from the word explosion right? because it's really can't really classify it as a detonation or a deflagration. Right. But they do violently uh, combust in that higher oxygen environment. But at 21 percent, all we're going to get is flaming combustion that we all know. We do. When you put any of these uh, fuels together with oxygen and then you ignite them. Oh, it's it's spectacular. It is spectacular. We do a a demonstration with bunker gear, strips of bunker gear in a Mm -hmm. a, in a Pyrex jar and we put it in 100 percent O2 environment and the bunker gear within a minute is completely vaporized. So it's we're not saying that uh, high O2 Uh, environment is not dangerous that's not what this is specifically this is specifically focused on the liquid oxygen it while it's in contact with a hydrocarbon yeah yeah and so uh mechanical impact is what we were testing with this study Uh, we hit it with a 10 pound sledgehammer now this is a a piece of asphalt standard asphalt it's fairly new asphalt we conditioned it underneath liquid oxygen. So this is immersed in liquid oxygen for about 30 minutes. We pull it out. It begins to frost over right away. We pour more liquid oxygen on it. So we have the maximum amount of liquid oxygen possible. And then we're hitting it with a 10-pound sledgehammer. We drop the pike pole on it. We hit it with a halligan. We hit it with a pipe wrench. The point of a screwdriver, we stepped on it. We stomped on it. We just, we couldn't get it to go. It, It just wouldn't go from mechanical impact. However, um, when NASA blew up their test apparatus in 1973, we looked at that study and we're thinking, wow, why did that thing go kaboom? You know, we wanted to replicate that. So we replicated that with a mechanical impact device of our own. It's essentially, it's designed after the ASTM standard, excuse me, for the ASTM standard for mechanical impact. So it's a 20 pound slide with a half inch stainless steel striking pin. 
and it goes through a particular stratum that they had at NASA, and that is one inch of crumbled asphalt, a one inch thick aluminum plate, and then another inch of crumbled asphalt. And when we hit that with that pin, we got five reactions out of 20. Now, ASTM says that something is mechanically sensitive if you get one reaction out of 20. We got five reactions out of 20. So we could make that thing go boom with mechanical impact. The problem is none of our roads are built like that. You know, I have to mention CAVCOM. CAVCOM, CAVCOM, CAVCOM. The new Talk Through Your Ears 5000 is the latest two-way radio accessory for in-suit communications. It is a lightweight, compact system. No batteries are required. It's actually powered by your own radio, and it's going to work with any SCBA ensemble. It is by far and absolutely the clearest <laughs> communication device on the market, period. Yeah, the Talk Through Your Ears 5000 keeps your required components to a minimum. All you need is your radio, the CAVCOM's oversized push-to-talk control unit, and universal fit ear set. It is that simple. So go to CAVCOM's website and let them know where you heard about it because it's well worth the trip. That's I'm, I'm sitting there going, who the hell has a road with a one-inch yeah. aluminum plate in the middle of it? Exactly. NASA does. So what? All right. So what was the mechanism that caused that reaction? Is there a takeaway okay. that we can turn around and say, okay, maybe there is a circumstance in yeah. which the liquid oxygen has the potential to to have a mechanical reaction? So we did some control drops. We used liquid oxygen only we use the aluminum plate only we use crumbled asphalt only we use solid asphalt only we couldn't get a reaction it just would not go unless we had it in this weird configuration that nasa had put together so we know why nasa's apparatus blew up so really smarter i'm not a scientist but way smarter people than me dr halling at uvu who's a chemistry uh professor a physics professor dr patchett and then uh eugene nye rest in peace uh eugene nye was the father of of you know gases we had him in on the project as well and and those three explained to me that what's happening is as that striking pin is coming through that crumbled asphalt it hits that aluminum plate and that aluminum plate is what we call a hard margin. So any any liquid oxygen bubbles that are in that uh, asphalt are compressed against that aluminum plate. And what you get is an adiabatic reaction. So it's not, it's not isothermal. So it's not giving away the energy, it's containing the energy. So inside that bubble, as that whole system gets more and more compressed, you get an increase in pressure, obviously, but you also get an increase in temperature. So it's just uh, like when you... Almost like a put, diesel truck. It's exactly the way a diesel truck works. And so if we if we put air into an SCBA, SCBA bottle and it heats up, it's the same process. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so what's happening is if you compress that in, in, in a short enough time span in the presence of all of that hyper liquid oxygen and a hydrocarbon, that's the ignition source. Um, so, yeah, wow. that, it, it's pretty interesting. So you see this little, that's a fire yeah. syringe. I don't know if you've ever seen this demonstration. That, that's essentially what's happening. This is the oxygen bubble. If there's any 
combustible material in there and I compress that system, I increase pressure, I increase temperature, and, and you can get that little, and I use a little uh, bit of cotton in the bottom, it'll ignite every time. So there's no ignition source. It's, it, it's just that adiabatic compression of the gas. So um, that's what bigger brains than mine uh, explained was the, <laughs> was the ignition source. So I went with it. So tell me a little bit about then moving away from the the, the asphalt into the the liquid, um, the the liquid hydrocarbons. Any, I mean, was there any kind of result in which you were like, okay, this is has the potential to to be dangerous, or was it all pretty much the same? I mean, I would almost think that the temperature of the oxygen itself would so lower the vapor pressure of diesel or gasoline that you wouldn't be putting off enough to to be able to burn. But yet at the same time. I've now combined oxygen directly with a fuel. So if I could yeah. create that chemical react, if I could create that activation energy, if I could go past that activation energy, I would think that I could get it to detonate. So where is my thought process incorrect? So what we did was we combined an equal amount of uh, fuel and we did saturated, unsaturated hydrocarbons. We did big molecules with a lot of viscosity, little tiny molecules with low flash points. We did alcohols, we did acetones. We did all of these different hydrocarbons. <clears throat> when you pour the liquid oxygen into that hydrocarbon, whatever that fuel is, and we did this with combustible, actually we use potato chips. Um, when you put liquid oxygen in potato chips, hydrocarbons, anything, all you get is a frozen fudge sickle. I mean, that's it. And then as it thaws out, um, it the liquid oxygen boils off and you, what you're left with is the liquid again. Right. Um, hmm. So that combination did absolutely nothing. But if we put an ignition source in that combination, oh, it, it burned to beat hell. And it was fantastic. But if, if we eliminate ignition sources, um, then really there's nothing to worry about. And when you're saying ignition sources, you mean like a spark, not necessarily like a mechanical, like, oh, I just stepped on a puddle that had the yeah. two combined. Like you literally have to yeah. have some kind of yeah. inside that puddle. Yeah. And the other thing is um, <clears throat> there was some anecdotal information about static electricity in a carpet, right? I, we, I think we mentioned earlier, we could not get a static spark to ignite liquid oxygen on carpet and pad. We couldn't do it. We tried it down in the nap. We tried it above the nap. We tried it right at the nap. And the way it's explained to me, it's certainly hot enough, but the milliseconds that that spark comes across, it, it just doesn't have enough duration. But if we used an arc, not a spark, but an arc. so you're jumping your car battery and you and you and you cross the yep. the black and the red and you get that those are little tiny minute beads of metal and those are hot enough and those those would ignite it every time so even though the spark we couldn't make ignite it the arcing mechanism in fact it's pretty spectacular we have a video of that where we take the two ends of the car battery uh the positive and negative put them together and it, it, it's pretty impressive. You, but without you that, you pour the liquid oxygen on the carpet, it does nothing. Does nothing. Does I'm nothing. just thinking, like, and again, I, this is just me 
and I, if I research this, I could probably find an answer on this one. But I'm thinking to myself, OK, if I have a let's say a hydrocarbon and then I pour 100 percent because I hope everybody out there knows that oxygen has no flammable range. It is in it's inflammable. It's it's non flammable. Right. So it doesn't go on fire at all. However, the, we do know that you have to be in the right ratio to get to go on fire. So if I add oxygen to a hydrocarbon, where is the physical location of that spark needed to be to be in the right ratio, given that you're now combining two or three different mediums, like you said, with the the asphalt and and the geometry of that asphalt and the aluminum plate and all these things together? Like, what is what is all that? So it's what what happens with with any of the hydrocarbons when we add liquid oxygen to it, we expand the flammable range. So in other words, it is much easier uh, to ignite any of these materials when they're in that high oxygen environment. And obviously we know the opposite happens. If I take the oxygen away, it, it so narrows the flammable range that it, it can't burn, right? So um, yeah, when we put the oxygen to a hydrocarbon, we make it easier to ignite. So any ignition sources, but like we try to road flare. I mean, what is ubiquitous to the uh, to the liquid oxygen uh, rollover on the freeway? It's a trooper with a road flare. Right. Yeah. And you know, worst case would be a liquid oxygen puddle, and a trooper throws down a marker flare right in the middle of the puddle. Well, we did that. We did that a whole bunch of times, and nothing happened. No good. There's not enough available hydrocarbon on cured asphalt. It it, it it's just it's, it's not, not there. Bad. So. The road flare would burn a little brighter, but you know it, it, it wouldn't just take off in some you know giant conflagration. So, it just wouldn't go. So when you were starting this project, I imagine for me it would be I'd be really excited, and then it sounds like there was a lot of disappointment, like, like uh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, oh, come on! Yeah, I'll tell you what, <laughs> you know, after seeing the the photos of the NASA crater that they have, but they used a lot more liquid oxygen and fuel than we did. Right. We, uh, our, our cup was only six inches in diameter and they had a several square foot area. So their explosion was much bigger, but yeah, we wanted, you know, we wanted everything to just blow up and you know, it, it didn't happen. So in what, typical Mythbusters, <laughs> did you get everything to blow up at the end? Did you like do it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can't talk the, about the, it. <laughs> the impressive stuff was uh I think the most impressive stuff and that's on our website was uh we took the lab grade acetone, super high quality acetone and we added a lot of liquid oxygen to it. So we didn't use same ratios. We put a lot of liquid oxygen in there and when we lit that thing I would call that explosive. That was the only one that I would call an explosion, but it obliterated the cup. It was a huge, you know, boom. So that was pretty impressive. Everything else just burned really vigorously. That one blew up. What would you say the takeaway to first responders listening to this is? Like you, you did the experiment, you, you, you draw your conclusions, you're now walking back into a community that has kind of mixed feelings about how to respond to these things. What, yeah. would, what would you say needs to change in our curriculum? What do you think needs to change in our thought process? And is what we're doing okay because we're operating safely or are we operating so safe that we're actually hindering operations? Yeah, I think the, the latter statement, I think we are overly cautious when we don't need to be. On the, on the other hand, 
I wouldn't want anybody to change their operational guidelines based on the research. They, you know, I, th I think it's good research. It was valid research. And um, the, the precautions that we take when it comes to a cryogenic liquid are really the precautions that need to be taken with liquid oxygen. But as far as ignition from flammables, uh, compression by walking on it, I mean, I, I can show you lots of pictures of air liquide and um, all of these other liquid oxygen uh, manufacturers and haulers. They're, they're walking all over the frost. They know nothing's going to happen because yeah. they, they have some experience with it. Um, so I think we're probably overly cautious when it comes to mechanical impact. But if you have liquid oxygen mixed with a hydrocarbon or a combustible, now you got to worry about eliminating ignition. Yeah, the sources. math changes. Yeah, absolutely. So cryogenic precautions, eliminating ignition sources, and, um, you know, go for it because it's not toxic, which is great. We yeah, don't go on a lot of things that are not toxic. I, I love a good myth buses, especially ones that, that, you know, that I know that I've helped push the myth. You know, where it's kind of yeah. like a, oh, yeah. okay. All right. Well, now I got to go eat my yeah. words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all do. I think I think the study obviously gives us as hazmat instructor something to think about. I love it. Yeah. Um, we just got one or two things to mention on the way out the door. Um, but before we do, you are a rock star. Thank you for coming on. Um, Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. If you guys if you guys haven't noticed, his name comes up and his email address is right below it. So if you're missing it, like it is off the screen right now, go back a couple of frames and you'll find it. Um, but yep. tremendous uh, time, thanks, Andy. And what was Thank the you. I what was the it. what was the name of the study, real quick, on YouTube? If somebody wanted to go look at it, it's the uh, mechanical impact and reactivity of liquid oxygen, and you'll find it. All right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Okay. Um, so for facing chemical spills, waste disposal, or environmental challenge, SMR Rapid Response offers expert solution. Reach them in Virginia, Maryland, North Carolina at 800-248-5816 or smrrapidresponse.net. The Industrial Emergency Council is a non-for-profit uh, led by experts providing diverse emergency response training for over 40 years. They collaborate with fire departments, public agencies, military, and the private sector. Want to know more? Go ahead and visit them at iectraining.org or call them at 650-508-9008. Thanks, Andy. We'll see you soon. Thanks. All right, guys. See you.